0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. Today I'm joined by Allison Russ to talk about another heavy topic of ROI. Um, most recently, Allison put together all of our perspectives on ROI and a great document for the team. And we thought that this would be a great podcast because, in my opinion, no one has nailed ROI, I feel. It's it's a really tough thing to measure, and there's so many different types of ways that you could look at it and the data sources and so forth. So welcome. Welcome back to the podcast, Allison.
1: Hi, Chrissy. Yeah, great to be back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll probably see more of the CS2 team um, over the next few months. As I mentioned on one of the last podcasts, uh, we're going to be doing less outside guests, and more CSTU to share some of our um, consulting tips and tricks that we share with our clients. So this is definitely uh, one of them. So to kick it off, Allison, I just want to first start with, so this episode, like I said, was inspired by documentation you created for the team on all your perspectives on ROI. So what, what kind of spurred you to create that?
1: Yeah, so we've We've actually had several clients that have been asking the same question. So like, how do I get an accurate ROI calculation? You know, we're spending a lot on events or we're spending a lot on digital advertising and we're being asked to show our results. Um, And we also wanna make sure that we're making sound investments. And so, you know, I wanted to give a guide of like, Tips and tricks around tracking ROI, like what are the pitfalls, what are the challenges, what other measurements should you look out at, at aside from ROI um, to help our clients kind of get a better understanding of what uh, what they should be investing in or not investing in.
0: Yeah, I think it's a topic that come it has come up in the past, but I think most recently, you know, with the slowdown and everyone's really focused on Okay, where do we cut budget? Like where, like you said, where have our investments made um, sense and were are good, and which ones weren't? So let's deinvest from there. And so everyone's kind of having this like, oh shit, we need a report on that. <laughs> and and then sometimes it's going to be really hard for them just because there is a lot of kind of groundwork and stuff you need in place and some and some tooling to do it effectively. So that's basically what we're going to cover today. Um, but before we go into the nitty gritty, for everyone who's listening, might have different perspectives um, on like the definition of ROI. And um, can you give us like the general definition of ROI and then what different types that can like make up that equation and, and give example of this?
1: Yeah. So I mean, the simple calculation for ROI is really just how how much did you generate in sales? So your revenue minus how much you spent, or your marketing cost. So sales minus marketing cost divided by your your cost or your spend. Um, so there's a couple of different ways to measure that. Um, on on especially the um, in terms of the sales side, like how do you attribute? Yeah revenue to the, the spend. Um, so there's two different ways that we generally look at one, we call sourced ROI, or sometimes it might be referred to as direct attribution and then Mm. influenced ROI, or sometimes could be referred to as indirect attribution. So sourced ROI is where all the revenue for a given sale is attributed to a single touch deemed responsible for that sale. So depending on how you attribute uh, an opportunity back to marketing, um, that might be the first touch or it might be the last touch or um, a lot of times we'll recommend using what we call a tipping point touch. So Mm -hmm. essentially the touch that led to the MQL or score threshold being met and then sent over to sales. And so you're giving full credit to that touch. And so any g- revenue generated from uh, that campaign through by its source um, is then, you know, you subtract the cost that you spent on that campaign and then you divide it by the cost to get your, your sourced ROI calculation. Um, so for example, if you spent $1,000 on a trade show, and sourcing credit was given to five opportunities from that trade show uh, that totaled $10,000 in revenue, your calculation would be 10,000 minus 1,000 divided by 1,000, which would be a 900% ROI. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's uh, an example of sourced ROI. uh, Whereas influenced ROI is where you're actually using like an ad, a multi-touch attribution model to give a portion of an opportunity's credit to each touch that influenced that opportunity. So um, an example would be, sh- Sure, so you spent $1,000 on a trade show, maybe that trade show influenced 30 opportunities that totaled $60,000 in revenue. Um, and then the model... Of that 60,000, the model attributed like $15,000 to that trade show. So then your influenced ROI would be 15,000 minus 1,000 divided by 1,000, which would be a 1,400% ROI. (laughs) So um, those are two different ways. And generally, I I mean, if you can run both um, because they can help answer different questions. Like which, uh, which channels or tactics are most effective at getting prospects to buy, or mm-hmm. um, would be your sourced ROI, or um, which channels or tactics are most effective across multiple sales, which would be your your influenced ROI.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for those who are just trying to get started and maybe realize that they want to maybe do more of the uh, sourced ROI or direct ROI. Um, You talked about the tipping point source, which I think is a good one. Um, A lot of the times out of the box, like people are maybe just looking at a source on an opportunity that came from lead source and uh, like was the first touch. Um, How, if, what would you, would you think that like, that would be a good place to start and what do you think that they could be missing out on when just looking at like a first touch source as their direct source?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's a good place to start. Um, what you miss out on is, I mean, a B2B uh, buying process is complex. So
0: yeah, <laughs> obviously
1: there are other, th- other touches that, lead to an opportunity being closed one or not. Um, mm-hmm. So you miss out on um, the potential impact of those you know middle touches. Um, mm-hmm. And it also could be depending on you know your data like if if you say acquired a lead from a certain source two years mm-hmm. ago, And now today it's, you have an opportunity. um, You might be overinflating the value of that old lead source. um, Totally. When in reality, it was something more recent that really um, resonated with the prospects at that account and um, got them to purchase.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, that definitely happens. I, I think sometimes too, I think for, for marketing, out folks supposed to like kind of look at like the validity of that source too. Cause I know a lot of times like that source on the opportunity gets edited, sales teams are maybe like creating opportunities the wrong way. And so, um, that so I would definitely do like the pre we'll talk about the challenges, but I think the thing here is really to, look at what data you're using and like how confident you feel. But it's still, I think it's always still good to get like some directional data for this. (laughs) Um, Like anything with like attribution stuff, like if you're running some ROI calculations, it's more to help you make those decisions. Like I probably wouldn't take all these numbers and send them to like your executive team or something like that, unless you feel like really, really confident in that. But um, yeah, so, Speaking of challenges, there's, prob, you know, quite a few that you know want to get through to actually measure ROI. But what are some of the common challenges that we see, like across clients, or you have even experienced, um, like in house, when trying to measure ROI?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to how to be accurate on both sides of those the equations. So how to be accurate yeah. in terms of the revenue side and how to be accurate in terms of the cost side. And so on the revenue side, it might sound simple because you know what your revenue is, but how do you attribute that revenue to marketing is where it gets complex. Um, So like one argument too, is that attribution models can be too simplistic when it comes to representing the buying process. So like sourced ROI is going to give all the credit to a single touch. So as we mentioned, you're missing out on those middle touches. Um, Mm -hmm. While influenced ROI might give credit across all the touches, it's really impossible to know without actually asking the buyer uh, what appealed to them the most or what really led to the purchase. So you're relying on a model to give a portion of credit to all those touches. And so, mm. um, and it's not, it's not to say that, that you shouldn't try to calculate ROI because of that, um, you know, quite often when we talk about attribution, we talk about that quote by that statistician, George Box, that all mm. models are wrong, but some are useful. So it's, it, while it is a simplified version of reality, it can be helpful to explain and predict performance. It can be still a helpful measurement to compare similar campaigns, um, but it's never gonna be like a a perfect science. Um, So that's one challenge. Another challenge that I see a lot of marketers face with when they look at ROI is an overemphasis on short-term results. So um, because a B2B sales process can be long and complex, um, marketers often want to understand the impact of their campaigns more immediately. And ROI is very much a lagging indicator in that it's going to take some time for that spend to, to grow into revenue. And so Mm -hmm. it's going to take as long or longer than your average sales cycle to really see the impact that campaign had on ROI. So um, that's where we'll suggest looking at more leading indicators. If you want Mm -hmm. to look at, you know, your funnel metrics, like how many MQLs, what's the conversion rate, you know, how many meetings were created from, uh, from the campaign, those more leading indicators um, first. Um, and then, I, you know, whenever we talk about attribution, we also talk about some of those missing touches. Um, so there's things that you're not tracking in your CRM. You're not necessarily tracking like podcast listens or, um, you know, other ungated assets and things like that. So you're missing out on potentially some um, other touch points. And then there's also just like external factors like seasonality or competition or pricing changes, um, the state of the economy (laughs) that can have an impact on ROI. So it's something to consider when you're running your reports and why like ROI may look different this year than last year depending on those external factors. Um, yeah. And then I guess the really big one that I've, I think is a lot more challenging than, than it should is tracking costs accurately. So mm-hmm. uh, it can be really difficult to do that with specificity because, um, especially for campaigns that accrue costs over time, so like digital campaigns, so like for a one-off campaign like a trade show, it's it might be as simple as you know plugging in the the fixed cost of that trade show into like your actual cost field in Salesforce, and that's all you need to do. But for like say white paper you're promoting on you know LinkedIn and Google ads, and it's really difficult to get that period cost, um, mm-hmm. in a way that's easily reportable. Um, a lot of the tools like, you know, visible and caliber mind and like a lot of the attribution tools integrate directly with those ad platforms and can pull it in, but it's still kind of a challenge to, um, attribute that to the resulting revenue. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so oftentimes especially when we're talking about that complexity of capturing period costs. Um, we definitely recommend looking not just at ROI, but at multiple metrics, um, especially if you're not able to capture that in an, in an easy way. And we'll talk, I guess later on in the podcast about uh, tracking methods, but um yeah.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I want to dive into one thing that you said because I know we see like a lot of times sometimes we want to slice the data especially on campaigns to also then by certain like business units Um, and uh, I I, I, it made me think of like if you have like a campaign who uh, you know maybe gets credit or direct source depending on uh, which model you're kind of using, what type of ROI bit, uh, you'll have a really large opportunity. And essentially that could then kind of inflate maybe like what your ROI looks like, but still like it was tied back to that campaign. Um, but like, do you see any benefit to like potentially splitting out the like Uh, business unit teams opportunities and looking at the data that way? Do you think it still makes sense actually to just keep all the opportunities tied to the campaign, no matter like what size they were? Um, What do you think is like a good way to kind of handle that? Because in in some ways I'm kind of rationalized in my head. Well, usually it takes more touches to close a larger opportunity. And that then means probably more spend to close a larger deal. But then... And then the inverse for um, small business and so essentially it could end up equally now but have you seen anything interesting when looking at the data by like business like business type like smb mid-market enterprise
1: yeah that's a good point um especially with sourced roi you can really overinflate the
0: roi if
1: the mm. source for a large deal was this specific campaign then it looks like that campaign was amazing so I, I mean, it definitely encourage um, diving into the data and dissecting yeah. it, not just like taking it at face value, because especially if you're just have a low volume of opportunities, then mm-hmm. you really take, really take it uh, ROI with a grain of salt if there's not enough volume of opportunities um, and look at other metrics like influence velocity or influence conversion Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things that we've recommended in other podcasts. But um, yeah, I guess with, with large opportunities, as you mentioned too, like you'd expect more touches to Mm -hmm. influence those opportunities and thus the credit is spread across mm -hmm. more touches. um, So that should kind of even things out. But um, yeah, I guess there's no real bulletproof way to make sure that there isn't some sort of bias in um, yeah. Without, without dissecting the data. And like, I usually, if, if a campaign has only influenced like a certain number of opportunities and I see like, oh, this, it looks like it has a really good ROI, I don't really... M- factor that into to well give too much credit to that because it's
0: yeah
1: it's just not enough data to really tell me
0: totally kind of like similarly what I think you do for some of our clients who are just looking at attribution in general we kind of try and look at like a baseline like an average like you know number of touches and then see, okay, or like in the opportunities or touches and, and trying to find a baseline and, and then weed out like your anomalies, like the ones who maybe don't have a ton of opportunities, which I think can kind of skew the data a little bit. And I think it's just a, all of this just keeps reinforcing that, like, yes, you're building a model, you're looking at the data, but like, you can't always take the data at like surface value. Like you, re- it's really a starting point to then dig into it and then, you know, deduce do is like, okay, yes, but I'm going to maybe make these adjustments and use that data. So I think that's just a good reminder of like, no matter like what model you're kind of looking at, like you need to try and dig in further. If you're seeing anything like look a bit off or, <laughs> or yeah. what are the ways that you can weed out biases or, or some you know, things that maybe are like influencing the data from looking the best it can. Yeah. Um, all right, so I, I want to dig into kind of the ways for like tracking cost and ROI because I think you've touched on this just before this, but like it can be really tricky, right? Like I think even down to like first how you, track cost and then what tools can um, really help you do that and what methods you have. So can you take me through some of kind of like the basics or ways that we see most like effectively tracking um, cost, um, whether starting first with like tools and then going into um, tools available. But what are some of the more common ways or ways that folks can track their costs effectively um, to make sure that they're able to actually do this type of reporting?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, I guess I should start with explaining a little bit more on the complexity. So like mm-hmm. the com- the complexity is um, so like many of the methods for tracking costs require maintenance and consistency. Um, yeah. <laughs> so many marketing teams just don't have the resources to to maintain and be be consistent with how they're tracking costs. So sometimes we'll even recommend, hey, like maybe measure ROI for campaigns where you really can assign a fixed cost. So maybe it's events Mm. that you're doing ROI on and then everything else you're just looking at through the lens of like source revenue, conversion, velocity, average deal size, those kinds of things. Um, But if you really want to, track it across all your campaigns there are, there are definitely tools and then there's like more manual ways to do it um, mm-hmm. one way that we'll recommend is um because it's so hard to track the costs within salesforce in an easy reportable way um, mm-hmm. often it's it's actually a lot easier to just do it in a spreadsheet <laughs> um, yeah. so where you're taking all the spend data out of your tools so like how much did you spend from your ad platforms how much did you spend on events any like internal budget spreadsheets that you have and you Mm -hmm. do it for a given period so often it's like quarterly Mm -hmm. um and then you take all your sourced or influenced data for each of those channels um and then you're calculating the ROI per channel in in that spreadsheet. Um, Typically, you're gonna wanna do it um, at least one to two quarters out, because as we mentioned, it takes a while for your spend Mm -hmm. to grow into revenue. So it depends on your um, sales cycle. Um, But that's really the easiest way, especially just to get at the ROI by channel. it's not necessarily going to get you down to the individual ad, like how much that drove, right. but often when you get that, like, uh, microscopic with it, that, that it's, it, it's not as, uh, accurate cause you're, you know, that there's not enough volume of data to really say. Right. So, yeah. Um, And that's, that's quite often the way that we've seen a lot of our clients do it is just like on a quarterly basis, looking at their spend, how much was generated, running that calculation and understanding the impact of their channels.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's a great, um, I feel like it's a great, um, activity. Like early on in my career, I was kind of like in charge of like the budgeting and spend and, um, like reconciling like that and keeping that in a spreadsheet and then attributing back to the campaigns uh, in Salesforce and actually looking at invoices to see what was actually spent. But I, I think this can be like if you have any junior team members um, or anything like that, it could be a good kind of thing to do since it is a bit manual. Um, but then obviously get so that you, the like more skilled analytics person or marketing ops person can actually use that data. Um, but because it, it can be, you know, depending on how much you're spending on things, like it, it is a little bit of corralling and sometimes like reaching out to people, hurting cats a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But figuring out ways where you can actually have a process for capturing, I think is really good. And to your point too, looking at a few quarters out, I think. Every client's going to have a different, um, like kind of like a different uh, reporting cadence. But I think we talked about this as a team the other day, but one, one thing I found with like, uh, reporting, which is kind of nice is, uh, like we would report on leading indicators like weekly and monthly, uh, when I was in house. And then we did lagging indicators, like more like attribution and ROI reporting on like a half yearly and then end of year um basis and we still even looked at the full year at the end of the year because we knew that once we entered enterprise it took even longer than two quarters to create opportunities um but i think that's a really good kind of like cadence to get into so and just training the team okay this is where we're gonna this is how we're gonna look at our campaigns we're gonna look you know six months out or 12 months out at this cadence but then they could still use their early indicator, in early indicators to make quick decisions on like the, the micro campaigns you're talking about, right? Because usually you can tell even by a CPL or like how like one of your ad campaigns are going with a leading indicator. Of course, you want to know if it turns into an opportunity, but at least getting those insights um, earlier on with like MQLs moving down funnel um, will give you enough direction to maybe make quicker micro changes and then actual reviewing the whole channel, um, is better once you have that ROI or opportunity data. Um, yeah, um, so, so there's the tracking as far as a spreadsheet, what if people actually do want to track that data within like Salesforce or at the campaign level and like, how would you, yeah. what are some of the options there?
1: <laughs> so another more complex option is to use like a custom object in, in Salesforce. Mm-hmm. So this can be something like um, you have a custom object called marketing channel, and then you have a child object of marketing channel called like period cost so that mm-hmm. for each mm-hmm. channel you're, you know, on a quarterly basis putting in your, your period costs and then um, depending depending on which method of ROI you're using sourced or influenced and depending on kind of whether you have a tool or you're just using kind of out of the box Salesforce influence, um, you'll have something like when a campaign member gets created, um, it'll be related to a marketing channel by stamping that mm-hmm. in like a lookup field on the campaign member. Um, so that like, so all of your campaigns will be your tactics, your your offers. So you'll have like mm-hmm. an ebook, um, and if you advertise for that ebook on LinkedIn, then you'll have a LinkedIn marketing channel, and so you'll associate that LinkedIn marketing channel to the ebook campaign members that get created through that ad, and you know your campaign members are going to have a date and your period costs are gonna have a date and thus you can kind of associate the cost uh, all within Salesforce um, of LinkedIn specific to that campaign. Um, it's a bit complex in terms of creating the actual reporting inside of Salesforce. Mm. Um, this is where oftentimes you'll rec- I'll recommend just you got to get a BI tool if you're going to do something this complex Mm -hmm. so that you can um, really roll up the costs on a period Mm -hmm. level basis. Um, But it does get you both channel and offer and cost all, um, all in one reportable way. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot more, I could go into it but it' would probably take a whole nother podcast <laughs> um, but um,
0: podcast
1: <laughs> but um it yeah it is an it is nice to be able to have that data inside of Salesforce you could then do you know some roll-ups to get that data up to the channel up to the campaign mm-hmm. um, those kinds of things mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah I think the the campaign structure itself, like you have to find some compromises because it is so much easier to like obviously track a Salesforce campaign down to an offer. Well, it's not even easier. It's better for like your reporting um, and then being able to track the like, you know, what drove them there from like the referral source perspective and track those UTM for the campaign member. But then it does become a bit tricky when you're just, like you said, using the standard out of the box cost. is like, okay, for an ebook, do I just keep adding up all the costs? Like, I mean, you could do that yeah. if you wanted to, but then you're not effectively tracking it back to that like actual like LinkedIn source. Um, so yeah. that can be a big one where, um, if you are just looking, and to your point, like sometimes you do just have specific channels that you want to track cost, Um And so for those, or like events or anything like that, that might be an option for you. If you're still going like low effort, Um, you could do that, like, because you usually have a campaign for an event, Um, but then you're still going to maybe have ads that you're using and things like that. So you'd probably just need to account for those total costs um, to get it. But I think from a crawl, walk, run perspective, that could be an option of just figuring out like... What are those more simpler things to track first and then you could do that at the campaign level um but once you want to get more <laughs> granular and more specific the, you do need to look for some of those other options and um but it does require like you said probably mm-hmm. more advanced work like a bi tool um and a team who, who's confident using it or agency or something like that to help you to do that
1: I should mention too, with the, the custom object method, because it does require, like I said, maintenance and consistency because, you know, somebody's having to pull those costs from the various, you know, ad platforms and things like that and import them as records Mm -hmm. like period cost records. Um, so that you have that unless you have an automated way of doing that, which uh, there are a lot of tools, so I guess like that's kind of the the next way to track. Yeah. There are a lot of tools uh-huh. that um, automatically integrate with ad platforms that automatically pull in costs. Um, quite often those platforms like visible and Caliberbind and dealtale and all those that they, they'll pull in the costs um, into their platform um, but not necessarily inside of Salesforce. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which, I mean, it makes sense just because it's 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 challenging to be able to report on it inside of Salesforce because it's a moving target for those digital campaigns. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that can be another area to look at. Um, you know, th- they still face all the same challenges that we already discussed in, you know, totally. that... The, the model being potentially simplistic, you have to wait to for ROI to show up. Um, it's still challenging to necessarily associate that cost to the revenue, all of that.
0: Yeah. The um, one thing I'll say on that too, like there are, yeah, there just are a ton of different like tools that will like get you some of that data and that can be a little bit challenging as well because say you could have a team member using like a visible or metadata.io or something and maybe that's tracking certain things I I think one if if you're a marketer like a demand gen person and you see some of that data in front of you like with ROI I think like this is something like anything any type of reporting I think it should be like standardized across the team because I think what can become like really tricky and challenging is if there's like, again, just disparate like systems or tools or ways to report on something which, which can cause confusion. So uh, I will note that too, like I think this should be a more revenue team or marketing team effort to decide, okay, what structure are we gonna use? What tool are we gonna use? How are we going to look at that data? Who's actually going to help lead those conversations or facilitate the team to look at that data the right way? Because I think as we've talked about before with like any type of reporting, like there's the ways you get that data, there's the data and there's like a big change management part to it, right? Like how can we get the teams to really use this data and pull the insights the right way? And that might take a lot of, time and exercise to really get folks to do that as well as documentation and training that's happening consistently because you're going to have new people join the team a lot, especially if you're growing. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I always ask uh, people on the podcast or other guests, like what's the one thing that people are doing wrong when it comes to like a topic. But one thing I want to, wanted to ask you, what do you think is like one mistake or a few mistakes that you, you, the orgs, or you've seen um, people even talk about when um, that when trying to measure ROI.
1: I think it's mostly two things. So, as I already mentioned, one like assuming that they're going to be able to calculate it immediately after a campaign or shortly after yeah. a campaign runs, and um, and then when they see it not doing well or doing well like either scrapping it or making a decision when it hasn't had enough time to bear fruit. So that's, that's yeah. one. Um, and then I think the other is, and this comes to any metric, not just ROI is looking kind of in a silo at that one metric to evaluate performance. So mm. um, I'll, kind of, as you alluded to um, these the dashboards and the reports that we create, um, that show ROI or other metrics are really just a starting point to the analysis that you need to do to Mm -hmm. understand what's working and what's not. So a lot of times I'll see folks just look at a single metric, whether it's like the number of MQLs or the number Mm -hmm. of meetings or the number of, you know, the ROI, um, rather than looking at all three of those things to kind of understand the impact of the campaign. Um, because there might be some campaigns that aren't gonna show up as well in ROI, but might show up as a high performer in another area, like, you know, deal velocity or something like that. Um,
0: totally. So
1: uh, it's really about spending time to do that analysis. Um, not just taking it at face value and making a decision without the analysis part.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think, and I think it's if you don't have like the maybe the other thing sorted too. I would probably leave ROI. This is just my opinion, but I would think because of all the things we're talking about, I'd probably leave ROI last because. I think what, if you're really like supporting a marketing team, I think focusing on one, like making sure your lifecycle reporting is good so you get leading indicators, like focusing on nailing down even that first, and then looking at like potentially attribution and figuring out what model works best for your team, like a multi touch, like even spread model to help them make, you know, decisions on what's influencing pipeline revenue. And then I would say like once you feel comfortable and get everyone confident doing that, I would say like going into ROI um, last just because all the things that we talked about, like it's hard. You definitely need to like look at the full picture. So if you don't have all those other data points like and data structure like ready at, at the team's fingertips to do that, like you could just be going based on ROI, but that's not going to give, like you said, the full picture. Like a field marketing team might get no credit back to like their campaigns because like you said it's more of a deal velocity um kind of motion usually and so if you're looking at direct source roi or tipping point roi like things like that it's usually not some of those later um activities unless you do like the actual attribution um like where you're splitting out the influence roi so yeah i would say like um also like anything with like you know a phased approach focus on like your foundation getting those two things in place and then exploring roi and that might be a tricky conversation that they probably need to have with like a cmo because a lot of times i mean even personally i've been in positions where like oh what's the roi on this <laughs> i'm like i just joined we don't even have any of this other reporting like let me sort that out first and then maybe we can do it
1: <laughs> yeah i think it's very tough to explain too because it is such a fuzzy metric, and I I agree with you that it shouldn't be the first thing you focus on. That those foundational metrics are a little bit more easy to track and easy to yeah. measure, um, whereas ROI can be really fuzzy, especially if like you don't have it right on either side of the equation, or it's inconsistent in the way you track costs and you know all the things that we
0: just talked about. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Any final words on it? Anything else to touch on for ROI, Allison?
1: I think we kept, we caught everything. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, well, I thought this is a, a good thing to talk about. I know a lot of people scratch their heads on the topic. And so trying to demystify that for everyone. Um, so again, Allison is our VP of uh, solutions, architecture and analytics at CS2 if you want to connect with her, um, and if you have questions, uh, we'll share a link to Allison's profile in the show notes. Um, and if you enjoyed this podcast episode, feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends, or leave us a review. Um, we really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time on Forward Thinking. Thanks, Allison. Thank you.